It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Productions, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tarano. Uh, good evening and uh, welcome back to Streetwise. Uh, yeah, my guest this evening is uh, nationally known. Uh, you have to... Well, she was on, by the way, i got to thank her for coming back on the show. She's been on before. And right now, the timing is uh, great for her. Again, she's an internationally recognized uh, leadership management professional and organizational development consultant. Consultant, uh, Especially now with all these uh, allegations of uh, conflict and uh, sexual harassment in, in the workplace, uh, it's great to have a great to have a back. She's also an author of I, you know, at least a half a dozen books. I just want to touch on them uh, quickly. I uh, she'll straighten me out if I miss a book or or I don't give out the exact name. It's she's uh, these are great uh, books and uh, let's see what they are. Culture inside the company and uh, outside the country. Wow, uh, conflict inside the workplace. Causes and Cures, Leading and Management, uh, a Global Workplace. I hope I got these right. Uh, Conducting Workplace Investigation. That's interesting. And Workplace Investigations. And here's a nice one. Uh, The Please and Thank You of Fundraising for Nonprofit uh, Organization. And I think she has a book called Designated Investigator. I I have to welcome Dr. Arlene Diamond back to Streetwise. Uh, uh, Dr. Diamond, uh, thank you for coming back to Streetwise. Hello? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, all righty. Did I miss it? Did I miss one of your books? I know you have so many outstanding uh, uh, best-selling <laughs> books. And uh, did I correctly uh, introduce I didn't hear. Them? I wasn't. I wasn't hooked in. Oh, you was. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Okay, I mentioned about a half a dozen of your books. So, That's uh, about right. Yeah. Y- yes. Uh, okay. Now, we could touch on it while while we're talking. Now. Okay. Well, what is going on now in the workplace? Because you specialize in uh, in helping organizations and people uh, clean up their act or get them off the ground. You know, in in the uh, workplace. You know, uh, with all these allegations, we could. Uh, it, the, I think the latest one is. Uh, let's jump to it. I guess uh, Charlie Rose. Yeah, there's lots of them against Charlie Rose. Yeah, you, you know, it's in fact, I think it started with seven allegations, and now I think 27 more women jumped on a bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it's I have to say this. He's 76 years old, and looking at him, uh, I think the story should be how the heck is he able to do that? What he's oh, doing. come on. You know, I'm just saying. Oh, come on. I know, I'm just saying. 20. <laughs> I know, I sound like a male show for this. But uh, 27 more women aside, seven before. All right. But uh, by the way, he's, he's sort of uh, admitted to a lot of this stuff anyway. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of it. I mean, I, you know, part of the thing that's bothering me about what's going on right now is we're lumping everything into the same pot. Yes. And we're lumping from somebody making a stupid remark to rape as though they were the same. Wow. And and they're not. 
you know, um, Charlie Rose, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of the accusations against Charlie Rose is that he just behaved stupidly. Some of the accusations against Charlie Rose is that he was absolutely abusive. Mm. And, and it rises, you know, if, if true, rises to the level of, of criminal behavior. I was reading our local newspaper this morning, and someone I know quite well, uh, who, who says things sometimes without thinking, um, is running for political office, and they've just offed him. There is no way he's going to be able to win because some woman came forward and said that he said something stupid to her. Mm. He didn't touch her. He didn't grab her. He didn't try to force himself on her in any way. He just made some jerky, inappropriate remark. And so this is political career has been ruined. Mm. So I, I think we need to be, I mean, I think we need to stop the stupid remarks but not ruin people's lives over them. You know, years ago, uh, how do I say this? Uh, you could do that without any accusation of harassment, or especially sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. You know, in the workplace, I mean, I worked in places where a female would come walk by and she'd pat me on the butt and keep walking. Yeah, so, can't do that anymore. Yeah, I, she, she, uh, yeah, we have a case, again, out here in California, we have a case where a female executive is going to lose her job uh, in a big philanthropic organization uh, because she, quote, created, you know, a hostile work environment. Yeah. She used foul language. Well, that should never, you know, you know, but you know what happened years ago? We seemed to sort of accept it for whatever reason, you know? We took it with a sense of humor, and obviously if they got a little heavy, of course, the person has to be corrected or straightened out. But why do you think now it seems so prevalent? I don't think it's any more or less prevalent. I think that the Me Too movement has brought it to light, you know, out from being swept under the carpet, so to speak. You know, I think there's, there's several, several different things that are going on. Number one, prior to this big explosion from the Me Too movement, all too often in the workplace you had... Uh, some, somebody going to their supervisor and saying, he's annoying me, he's doing this, he's doing that. Uh, and the supervisor says, I'll take it as a compliment, or boys will be right. boys, or you're exactly. too sensitive. Exactly. Okay? And, and women have been incredibly uh, emotionally hurt, maybe not physically, but emotionally hurt by some of the more ridiculous things that have happened. And, and so clearly we want those to stop. There's no question about it. But in the work that I do... If it's that kind of thing, it's a stu if it's a stupid remark, if it's an inappropriate compliment, uh, you know, if it's it's teasing that meant to be uh, affectionate but was taken the wrong way, then I sit those people down together and I get them into a conversation where they understand each other, and you get an apology and you know life goes on, it goes away. That's different from. Somebody saying, if you don't go to bed with me, you're going to lose your job. Right. Or grabbing me. Correct. Or, you know, those things are abusive. Those things need to be handled um, with punishments. I mean, seriously. Um, so, I, again, there's a continuum. It's like anything in the law. You know, there's infractions, misdemeanors, and, you know, then classes mm. of penalties. And what we're not doing right now is, is making those distinctions. We're, we're throwing everything together which I think is to our detriment. Mm. Uh, now, the Me Too movement, right? What yeah. is, okay, the Me Too movement, you just said it, it brought this uh, out, it brought it out in the surface pretty much, correct? That's what right. You said. Okay, now, 
what what does the Me Too movement want aside from to get rid of all this uh, what we're talking about now in the workplace? What else? I, I know they're looking for equal uh, equal pay, uh, equal acknowledgement, or whatever, right? But I, I think the yeah. bottom line is that all reasonable people, men and women, want us to treat each other with courtesy and respect. Correct. I think that's the bottom line. Now, then you have extremists, and the extremists are what always, in a way they energize the movement, and in a way they give the movement a bad name. Mm. They go overboard a little bit, I think. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, let's talk about you now, aside from that. Now, you're you're a a multifaceted uh, consultant, (laughs) you know, pretty much. You you do everything. You you seem to like... uh, uh, there's issues like we're talking about now. You seem to go in there, and, and you, you just said you speak to both sides. Is that what you do? You sort of. I do. You, I do. You, you do that. Uh, I have to ask you this because it's very interesting what you do, and, and companies so long needed for someone like you because they, uh, some people would, would think they know how to run the corporation. But most times they they have these these issues. So how did you, uh, Dr. Arlene Diamond? How how did you get to be doing this? Guys, by the way, Dr. Arlene Diamond is Arlene. Oh, I'm sorry. Arlene. I, you know, I did that last time too. Yeah. Arlene. I I know Arlene. I, Arlene is a. a My girl. cousin's Arlene. Oh, okay. So that's <laughs> right. When I interview her, I'll probably call Arlene. Right, right, Arlene. Right. My God. Okay. So Arlene, you are the president and founder of. Uh, Diamond Associates. I want to say with all the rough things going out there and what we're talking about now, uh, I don't want to be corny, but you seem to be a diamond in the rough. So I am. Thank yes, you. Yes, you are. So, uh, okay. Again, and my maid, and you, what makes that even funnier is my maiden name is Schwartz, and, <laughs> and, which is you know, coal, black coal. But the original name, the family name from Russia was Charney. So, it a, which is also diamond in the rough. Ah. So I think that's hysterically funny. I wound up marrying a guy named Diamond. Well, look at that. That's, yeah. Look at, oh, okay. But I, I certainly am a diamond in the rough because yes. I was born and raised in New York City. I, I know. Were well, you up in the Bronx? Yeah. Yes, you're a Bronx girl. That's right. I, I am a Bronx girl. Yeah, and I know when we speak, we get your accent back. It comes I back. know it happens. It comes it back. Happens. Yeah. You know when you're in California, be you're, you're intellectual. Well, you're not that. You're not, but you know. I'm not an egghead. You know. Yes. You know. Okay. And you, and you went and you've been to Yankee Stadium, so you know what. I love the Yankee Stadium. Uh, are you kidding? I walked. I, <laughs> I, know. I lived in walking distance to the Yankee Stadium. Uh, we went when I was a teenager. Every home game. Mm. So how did a nice Jewish girl from you from the Bronx, right, <laughs> become an expert in in, uh, in what you're doing, by the way? Well, uh, so I, I, I grew up in the Bronx. I worked in the New York business world. I was mentored by some really dynamite, successful men, uh, came out to California, uh, worked full-time days while going to school nights, wound up ultimately with a Ph.D. in psychology. Mm. So I have a practical business background combined with the education and then started my own practice. Um, had At one time, I, I don't right now, but at one time I had a bunch of people working for me. So I had the experience of business ownership. But my offices were right in the heart of Silicon Valley in the semiconductor industry. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of my clients were people who worked in the industry and they started bringing me their their work-related issues. 
And then I had some CEOs and some, you know, high-level managers as, as uh, clients, and they started bringing me to their offices. So that's how I got into doing uh, consulting, which I've been doing now for over 30 years. But it's a different type of consulting. Well, it is. It's about people. Yeah. It's about people. I, I you know, I, I, because of the business background, I also do um, process simplification. You know, I, I was an efficiency expert when I was, um, oh, God, years ago. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but not a time and motion study kind of person. I'm just the kind of person that says, gee, you know, if you did it this way, it would be easier. And then um, I've done process improvement for permitting for the for different cities where, you know, it takes weeks to get something that should take five minutes. Mm. Uh, and I help them get to five minutes. But most of what I do, I teach leaders how to be leaders, managers how to be managers. We're dealing out here with people that are highly technical. They're absolutely brilliant, but socially um not as brilliant as they are technically. They're not, admi- they're not administrators. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what happens. Yeah. So now, how do, how do aside from uh, your reputation and, and all your, your many books, how do they know how to reach out to you? Well, I have a website. It's diamondassociates.net. Okay. Um, and I can be reached by email, arlyn, A-R-L-Y-N-E, at diamondassociates.net. Those are the primary ways. Well, now one of your books, I think, is conduct, conducting workplace investigations. Yes. Right. Okay. So you go in there on, uh, I guess I would say, a case. They call you in to investigate an allegation, or they, they ask you to help them manage employees, or things like that. Or all how of the, all of the above. Let oh, me give you just yes. one quick example. Good. Good. Um, a man was about to be fired. HR was in the process of, of terminating his employment. But he was um, a valuable worker, and his manager, this is in a very, very big high-tech company, his manager intervened and said, no, I want a second opinion. So they called me in. And what I learned was that what he had done and the reasons for what he had done were not something that he should have been fired for. What had happened was he and a co-worker who were friends had gone out to lunch. She, he's a guy and she's a woman. And she had broken up with her boyfriend and was crying on his shoulder. He saw her a couple days later in the cafeteria uh, across the room, and he mouthed, he kind of, you know, stage whispered to her, how's your sex life? What he meant by that and what she understood him to mean was, did you and your boyfriend get back together again? Right. Someone overheard it and went to HR and... Without HR looking into it any deeper, hmm. they immediately decided to fire him, which I thought was overkill now, for the now, situation. Let me say this. Uh, she didn't make the complaint, the initial to human That's resources. Correct. She knew what he meant. Okay, but she understood. Okay. She understood what he meant. Right. It was overheard right. by somebody else. Now, was it a poor choice of words? Yes, of course. Yeah. Should he not have done it? Yes, of course. But does it rise to the level of a crime? Or, no. lose, or losing your job. Or losing yeah. your job, no. Yeah. So I wind up with cases like that because yeah. I think I think I have a common sense, practical view of things. Yes. Uh, Lou, I'm a redhead. I grew up I in the Bronx. <laughs> there isn't anything I haven't heard, you know? You, you, you know, I have a son-in-law who he didn't have uh, what we had 
I'm from the Lower East Side. You're from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So we have that. We have a high common sense of, uh, aside from having degrees and whatever. Uh, who has We're streetwise? Uh, I like your title. Oh, We're thank streetwise. you. Oh, yes, exactly. So are you, obviously. So yeah. uh, now he's a psychologist like you, or uh, not as good as you, and he uh, got a job in Rikers Island, uh-huh. and he was going to save the world. He thought, you know. And I said, they're going to con you up the kazoo, if I can say that, you know. So, uh, and he says, no, I'm going to. And then he was shocked. The same people keep coming back, and yeah. they have the same, same story. It took him a while, but that's because he didn't have, you know, what we're talking about now. He just was a, a Long Island uh, educated college kid, went to a great, great school, great college, and he didn't have that streetwise. So now do you find that when you when you get people call you in? Is that what they lack? They lack that common sense? Uh, they lack social skills social in a lot skills. of ways. Yeah. And, the, and, and this concept of zero tolerance, I think, backfires. Hmm. I, I think that to say we have zero tolerance means wow. if I sneeze wrong, you have to fire me. Hmm. I, I, I want to digress a minute from the from the Me Too thing. There are some cases that were in the newspaper or on the on the news. A little boy accidentally took his mother's lunch, and his mother had an apple and a paring knife in her lunch. Hmm. And the mother called the school and said, "Gee, my kid got you know the wrong uh, the wrong bag." Right. But they suspended him because they had a zero tolerance. Because the knife was there. And right. They, yeah. The, there's another story of a little kindergarten boy kissing a little girl on the cheek. And that's called sexual harassment. I, you know, you know it, it's, it's, we, it's, we I, go too far. I, I, I go to events and I, I, I used, to, used to hug the female. Instead of I guess I, I'm from the old school. I, I just yeah. feel uncomfortable shaking a hand with a female. I do, you know, but I don't hug him anymore because that's of that, right. you know. Right. So I wait. If they put their hand out or they approach me to hug me, that's fine. But I don't take the initiative like I used to, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think that's wise. Yeah. So uh, of course, you know, uh, at this stage of the game, I I don't want to get uh, sued or locked up for sexual harassment or whatever, you know. So you know, uh, I, I I was doing some committee work, some volunteer work, and it was mostly over the phone that we were doing all the planning. And one of the people that I was working with over the phone that I not yet met was an Orthodox rabbi. And he was very jovial and warm and friendly, and I was just really looking forward to meeting him. Just really delightful man on the phone. So he came to my office, and as, a, you know, you do, you walk, came out from the, to the waiting room, and I put my hand out to shake his hand, oh, and he yes. backed away from me, yes. and I looked you startled. You forgot. And he said, you know, I'm Orthodox. And that our rule is no touching at any of any kind of somebody not you know not a family member. So they draw the line pretty harsh, yes. in this, you know, harsh line in the sand, so to speak. Um, and I think because of what's happening with the Me Too movement right now, until things balance out eventually, huh. I think that's where we need to be. We need to be very. Um, I hate saying this, but we need to be formal, yeah. as opposed to how informal we've become. Yeah. It's, uh, so are you are you part of that uh, Me Too movement, Dr. No. Arlen, Arlen well, Jones? I mean, I think all women are part of the Me Too movement in a sense. Right. But am I a militant? No, I'm not oh. militant at all. Oh, okay. Now, a, a company has issues, and, and you mentioned, say, uh, a manager or an, even an owner of a company that lacks social skills, but he knows how to run the, 
a company or factory, right? So they reach out to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you sit down with him. Uh, is it a one-to-one, or does he bring in his uh, his uh, people, his staff? Well, it varies. It varies. Uh, there's, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all. That's true. That I, that I, I very definitely will work on a one-to-one confidentially with that mm-hmm. person. But there are also times when it's appropriate to bring the team in and do some, some team development or do some 360-degree evaluation. Sometimes sometimes the only way somebody sees something is if it's kind of smashed in their face by other people. Mm. So sometimes it becomes important for the CEO to see how he or she is perceived by other people. And that's, uh, you know, that's doing a 360 evaluation. Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, that's uh, interesting. Because, I, you know, all lives, many of us work for very... If uh, people that really were great mechanics in, in what they do, yes. but they lacked that social skill, they couldn't they couldn't talk to people. They couldn't they didn't have to talk to subordinates. And some of the things they said, I think you touched on it a moment ago. They didn't really mean it. Is that just the way they? It came out wrong, right? It came out actually came out wrong, and that yeah. happens quite quite often. So you actually you save you you actually save jobs for people in your what you do. Because, I try to. Yeah, because yeah. of the misunderstanding. I try to. I try not to. I try to take things seriously enough to fix them, right. but not overreact to the point of being um, upset by them. Right. Does human resources uh, reach out to you, or who reaches out to you? Usually, the C level in an organization reaches out to me. The big boss. Right. Um, I've taught I've taught HR courses, so you know I was, te- I was teaching in an MBA program, and among the courses that I taught was the uh, capstone HR course for them in order for them to get their degree. Mm-hmm. So I've taught HR, I've worked with HR. Um, I, I come in typically at a pretty high level in the organization. So if it's an organization that has a senior VP in HR, uh, that person will often bring me in. But but quite often it's, it's higher than that. It comes in at the C-level. Well, well. I want to go back to something else that you've been talking about. You were talking about the... Uh football uh, cheerleaders, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in regard to uh, the uh, what was it, the Washington Redskins cheerleaders, they were. Uh, this, is the, this is the thing that that sort of bugs me. I think the allegations. You correct me if I'm wrong. They say they were forced, forced. That's the word I, I have to uh-huh. Forced to post topless, and 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 they're and, and I think they're making us think about it. Is that correct? I don't know whether they were forced or not. I mean, I you know, That's what I, mean. I, I wasn't there. Right. But but the thing that bothers me about those kinds of allegations, and it's like the casting couch allegations. Yes. Yes. That there are levels of force. If you know, if if you're if you're a woman with four kids to feed and you need the job desperately, mm. then I accept that you've been forced. But, you know, if you're a Hollywood actress that's earning millions of dollars when you're working uh, and you tell me you're forced to be on the casting couch, I say, no, that's a deal you made. That's correct. That's, that's, I mean, so, that's my feeling. I shouldn't say it's know, correct, but that's my feeling. With these kids, it's hard to know because obviously they're kids, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, they're vulnerable and it means that they can very easily be intimidated by people in authority. So, you know, you just don't know where that, you know, where that line is. But right. my, I mean, I, but yeah, I'm feisty. I mean, I'm a kid that says no. 
and um, and I think ultimately, people, whether it's men, women, boys, or girls, you've got to stop and say, this is the price that somebody's asking me to pay. Am I willing to pay the price? And if I don't want to pay the price willingly, then say no and walk away. Hmm. Yeah, but you know, you just said it a moment ago, uh, someone may have to do that because, they, right. you know, they may... Uh, but yet, but they, even though you say they're kids, but they knew enough to make uh, complaints about this later on. Which so, is good. Yeah, which is good. So why why didn't they just say, well, you said they're kids, so they couldn't say no right away. I mean, away, I, look at know? the gymnasts, the, the situation with the gymnasts with the doctors. Oh, there you had cases where these kids, these young girls, did try to say something, and they were shut down. Yeah, they did. They but, were shut down. I mean, it's horrible. And that's that's not going to happen thanks to the Me Too movement. Yeah, I agree with that. And this has been going on for years. And, and you know, and this, yeah. it's, it's just, you know, we, you know, what bothers me with that is that uh, who, it seems like for some reason no one, I, I hate to say that, how could they be oblivious to what's going on with these with these kids and the, the Olympic, the, uh, these girls that were gymnasts that we're talking about? How could they, their parents, they how could they deliberately you know? turned a blind eye? That's, yes. Okay. Deliberately, yeah, and and you know, and and that's the issue. Um, you know, the, back in the day when I had a therapy practice, uh, you hear about incest cases, and you you know hear about you know fathers or brothers right. uh, having sex frequently with young girls, and you see why didn't the mother do something? Yes, the mother turned a, bl- a blind eye. There is no way in. in I was going to say yeah. a four-letter word. There's no way that... <laughs> Your Bronx almost came out again. My Bronx almost yeah. came out, right? right. <laughs> you know, there's no way that the mother didn't at some level know, but she chose not to know. Well, the same thing is true with the gymnasts. The people in authority, who are all culpable, in my opinion, chose not to help these girls. They chose to let it exist. Do you think because it sort of became a norm, uh, in other words, it sort of became acceptable, and, and that's what happens when, you, when you're in that field? And that, uh, it's hard to believe that. Uh, I know, but it's just, uh, uh, it, but that's just one of my, my thoughts, you know. And, I have uh, no idea. It just, I mean, it, I have no idea, but I, I absolutely find that hard to believe. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is not, there are other countries where incest, and, and, you know, having, like the ancient Greeks had sex with young boys, uh, where it was culturally okay. Right. But here in the United States, it's never been culturally okay. Right. Yes, I know. Why, you know, one of the things that I'm worried about now is because I think some of these cultures are trying to make it uh, seem like it's okay in this country because they're bringing that culture with them. But that's another story, you know. But it there just, is some it, of that happening. Yeah, it ties in ties into what. Yeah, what, it, where, there is some of that happening, yeah. and part of part of the, the socialization in the workplace. To come back to the workplace for a minute, is to okay. find some common way of behaving, some common acceptable social workplace culture, because uh, there, there's I can't remember the name of the study right now, but there's a study that just came out that said one in four men, there were eight, eight countries that they uh, did this research in, and the United States was one of them. And I don't know what the percentages were, but eight, but one in four men thought it was okay to have sex with an employee. Hmm. 
Male, yeah. male or female, or just essentially? <laughs> I think it was female. <laughs> I, um, I don't. I actually don't know the answer to that. As, um, you, as you asked the question, well, I think it was female. Though. You know, in, in the business that I pretty much been in uh, for many years in law enforcement, that some of the reasons uh, when we have to uh, sort of arrest, some, arrest someone, and then we we would inquire about it, you know, and the and the response would be, well, you know, Lou, that's the culture. Yeah. You know. So, so what it to me? What does that mean? That means it's acceptable, uh, you know. But like you said, in this country, it's not acceptable, you know. So, uh, I just got to, uh, Doctor Allen, could you hang on? I do have. Sure. To, I have to make a public service announcement. Just hang in there, and uh, I just have to. I promised some people I would do this, and I'm only. I'm only. I'm an animal lover, so I am very pleased to to be doing that. Tomorrow, Sunday, uh, May sixth is the 10th anniversary of the Walk for Pause out here in Long Island at Massapequa from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Massapequa. Now, the Walk for Pause, I want to remind some of you people, many of you know about it, because you've called me, you text me, email, whatever, is a great uh, a great lady runs it. They call her Bobby Anastrays. And when I first heard about it years ago, they said, hey, Lou, you got to have this Bobby on the Straits come on your show. I thought it was a rock and roll group. But she, uh, she great, uh, runs a place in Freeport, Long Island, which is a no-kill shelter for animals. And she pretty much puts this together. And uh, the audience out there, if you're interested in participating on the Walk for Paws, their 10th anniversary, uh, you can go to www.walkforpaws218.com. Uh, now, when you say walk for pause, you use the numeral four, the number four. Walk for, the number four, pause, P-A-W-S, 218.com. Now, if you, you know, if you're looking to get your animal, cat or dog, microchip, they do that there tomorrow. That, uh, you know, at this walk, 10th anniversary walk for paws, uh, dog, uh, dogs and cats, and uh, they pretty much uh, take care of a lot of homeless and abandoned cats and dogs. I'm going to give a phone number out also, 516-526-3707. That's 516-526-3707. Uh, another 516 number is 996-0655, 996-0655. If you look, live in Long Island, it's on the, the corner of Merrick Road and Yucca Road, which is no Indian name, uh, so is Massapequa. Uh, in Massapequa, the town of Massapequa out here in Long Island, it's on the corner of Merrick Road and Yucca Road. Tomorrow, Sunday, the 6th at uh, 11 a.m., but try to go on walk for the number four for pause uh, 218.com and they'll give you pretty much more information than than, uh, than I'm giving you now. Okay, I'm back with Arlene, Dr. Arlene uh, Diamond. She's the president and founder of uh, Diamond Associates. Now, your books, I want to, you, you, I don't think you heard when I was introducing your books, Dr. Yeah. Arlene Diamond. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, I'll try to get them one at a time. Culture, uh, Inside the company and outside the country, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, conflict inside the workplace, causes and cures. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Leading uh, and management, a global workplace. 
Work, no, leading and managing a global workforce. Workforce, very good. Okay, that's right. Very good. Workforce. Okay, conditioning workplace or is it workforce? Workplace investigations. Conducting workplace investigations. Designated investigator. Aha. Uh-huh. And now you have a. Is this a book or just it says to please and thank you? And, and please and thank you. Of fundraising for nonprofits. Yes, it is a book. Uh huh. Um, and the, it comes about because of the book that the first book I wrote, which is training your board of directors. Yes. So I was training uh, boards of directors of associations and religious organizations mm-hmm. all over the country, um, mostly synagogues, but a lot of others as well. And um, turned that that was my training materials that I turned into a book. And then the the um, yes. producer asked me to do a fundraising book. And I went and interviewed some of the best fundraisers um, locally that I could find. So the book is an amalgam of some really good ideas from other people as well as myself. Great. I'm interested for my organization as well. Now, uh, let's say this here, to please and thank you. That's mm-hmm. fundraising for non nonprofits. Now you saw, besides from nonprofits, what, what you do is about the audience to to know that you you do you do uh, government and private uh, corporations right, right. aside from nonprofits. So you do right. all of, pretty much all of the above. Now, is there a book designated investigator? That's a new book that comes about in part because of the Me Too movement. Uh-huh. That um, you know we've just been having this conversation where what's happened is. Um, somebody makes an accusation and it's automatically believed. Yes. We no longer have anything resembling due process, which really bothers me. Mm. And people are not doing neutral investigations. You had asked me earlier, you know, about when I'm get called in. Sometimes, so, you know, somebody has hired a law firm to do an investigation. No disrespect to lawyers intended with this statement. Mm. And, uh, you know, and they... They'll do the investigation presuming guilt and then look for evidence to support the guilt, uh, discarding evidence that would support not guilty. So one of the things I've done with this book is I look at natural biases. If somebody is attractive, we tend to believe them. If they're ugly, we tend not to believe them. If they look like us, we tend to believe them. If they look not like us, we tend not to believe them. Uh, We tend to believe the first person that walks in the door. You know, I come crying to you and I say, oh, Lou, do you know what he did to me? Yeah. And you're immediately on my side. Huh. Um, so those are, you know, how to, how to be neutral when you do an investigation is the purpose of that book. It's a real small one. Yeah, so that sounds like you're, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's what's happening. That's what's happening a lot. Yeah, this is just, just amazing. I, it, it really worries me because we're going after, uh, it, in the workplace now, if we want to get rid of a manager... You can get rid of him by accusing him of something. In politics, from the most local level all the way up to the president, yeah. all you have to do is make an accusation. Right. You know, with social media, that has a big effect on it, too. That's because right. people, yeah. when they go on social media, they see something on the Twitter, or they see something on well, any type of social media, and, and it's gospel. Whoa, look at that. And then they pass it on, and, and then it's passed all over the place, just like you said. Because, you know, you could create something out of a sense of humor, and then it'll become reality once it moves all over the uh, social media world. Right, it's and just, things get misinterpreted, and they're taken out of context. Um, you know, meanings change, words change. Uh, yeah, uh, we're we're living in an age where rumor is king, I guess. 
Yeah, you, you, exactly. You know, you, you find yourself, you have to be very careful what you say, what you do. Uh, it's just, uh, it's uh, just amazing. I want to talk about, because uh, I, I don't know if you, I know you, you talked about a lot of these other issues that have surfaced uh, recently. And uh, what what's your thoughts on uh, Bill Cosby uh, being found guilty? Oh, my God. Oh, what's your thoughts on Bill Cosby, I should say? I know. God <laughs> has feet of clay. Wow. Um, you know, when you think about Dr. Huxtable, uh, it's impossible to imagine Bill Cosby having done uh, any of those yes, things. Yes, absolutely. But I, as I was thinking about it, I can't remember where I was, but I saw him in person, and he was sitting on the floor of the stage with his feet dangling, you know, over the stage. Oh, yeah, he was uh, talk, He was addressing an audience, correct? Right. Yeah. 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 And... And his thoughts were rambled and jumbled up, and I and and he and he was dirty. He was vile. I mean, some forty said was pretty vile. Right. And uh, and I remember thinking, I wonder if the man has a brain tumor or something. Mm. He was that just kind of out of whack. So when I think of that man, I believe all of the things you know, the accusations That's, against him. So you believe? I think if it weren't for the Me Too movement, he would have been acquitted a second time. Mm. I think the fact that so many people have come forward and said, hey, this stuff has been happening. It, it really happens. Um, there isn't a single one of us, myself included, who hasn't in one way or another been victimized right. um, sexually. Correct. And, and so um, it, 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 when we heard about Bill Cosby, I was remembering back from when I was in my teens, and one of my girlfriends who was Catholic um, came crying that her her priest had raped her, well, and I convinced her to go and talk to her parents. Yes, and she got punished severely because they didn't believe her. They thought she was making it up. Yep. And so the Me Too movement is saying, "Hey guys, take us seriously. These things really happened." You know, in, in the case of my like girlfriend, that's because the family was so old-fashioned; they didn't want to believe it. And that that's was, right. Yeah. That's right. That's, my, that's, yeah, my yes. guy who's been dead now for over 20 years uh, never believed any of that. He was raised that's, Catholic, too, and refused to believe that, you know, that any, any decent priest, well, obviously, where decent changes that, doesn't it? But it, that any priest would possibly ever do anything like that. Yeah, it, but it, it happened. It did happen. Yes, of course. Yep, yep. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's out there. So, you know, the thing with sort of uh, Bill Cosby actually did a lecture to... Uh, to young African Americans, uh-huh. and and it was all I, I, it was on social media, and he, he gave a great lecture. It didn't sound like the same Bill Cosby that's being I accused. Know, of. I did know. You saw that when he did you? When he, if you want to get a job, right, don't be walking and diddy bopping in diddy bopping. Right. I, I, I remember that. He said, "Don't walk in an office with your pants and your butt hanging out, right? Exactly. And uh, chewing gum and all this stuff, and uh, you know, and getting there late. He was saying, and then it's, and then yell." That it's racism, you know, or, or they, they didn't give me the job because they don't like me. But you recall that. But he was on target. With yes. the, that that could fit anyone when you go. For, obviously, you're pretty much aware of this. When you go for a position, people tell you, you know, speak well, clean cut, dress nice. We all know mm-hmm. that, you know. And uh, so he was there, and, and he was. And I, I remember, and I was saying, wow, he's on target with all these young people that. Uh, Claim. And he also told people to take responsibility that they couldn't, you know, play victimization and, you know, prejudice. Yeah. Correct. No, he did it. It was a, I remember the speech. It was a fantastic speech. Correct. 
so we have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. We ha- that's why I, I, I'm not trying to make excuses by saying this, and I don't know, you know, whether they actually looked into it or not. But I honestly think that there's something physically, chemically, neurologically yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really do. If you watch the way he walks, if you, I mean, the man is not, he's not all together. There's something beyond just being a dirty old man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he is being a dirty old man. I mean, oh, but there's oh. something beyond that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I have, this is going to rock your boat, and I know it will. Some people say, Lou, these girls were asking for it. You know, I'm sure you've heard that. You know, they knew what they were getting into. You mentioned the casting couch before. Yeah. So they're saying that's the same thing. They went to him. They wanted a job. They wanted a connection. So they did whatever they had to do. 10, 20, 30 years later, they're complaining about it. What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that that's not so in this case. That It's certainly true. I, I, again, I wasn't there, but I, you know some of the Harvey Weinstein's ones. That's probably true about. <laughs> but in the in Bill Cosby's case, um, the from everything I've read, and I don't know anything any more than anybody else's. You know, just watch the media. But um, but there was you know kind of a social invitation to his home, and then he drugged them. Yeah, um, that's rape. I mean that that is rape, clear and simple. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, so I, maybe you know, maybe they asked for a little bit of um, uh, extra special attention. Or maybe but, you know, maybe some even asked to share drugs. I you don't know? think so. You know, smoke a joint together, as they say. Maybe so maybe you know? that. Yeah, or just snort that. a little coke together, and then of course he, you know, he took advantage of their culpable mental state. You know, so it's possible there was a time in Hollywood. Um, I have uh, I have friends who are Hollywood stars, and I visited them. There were times in Hollywood where it was pretty common for marijuana and cocaine to be out there and exposed at parties. Right. Um, so you know what you're saying certainly makes sense. It's certainly possible that, but he drugged them and he raped them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't get past that one. Yeah, no, I, I know, I, I know, but I, so. So what you're saying is that we're very fortunate to have the Me Too movement out there because these things are all surfacing uh, uh, partially because of the Me Too movement as oh, well. Oh, I think so, and I think it's long overdue. Long overdue. I, 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 whoever started it, I, mm. you know, I, I applaud their bravery. I know. Because women have been, you know, here's the thing. Right now, we women have finally achieved enough power in the Senate, in the legislature, in local politics, mm-hmm. and in the workplace, so that we can speak up. Right. And, and and that's what's enabled the Me Too movement to, to exist. Uh, obvious, obviously, Hollywood helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but it, until women had enough parity and enough power, they were afraid to speak up. Mm. Yeah. But you know, again, uh, not as much. But it works two ways too. You know, there were there were men that were taking advantage yes. of women in high yes. positions as well. Not, I don't think as many as the uh, women. I think that I, I'm not yeah. sure what I'm saying. I think the number was one in six. One in six. Well, men have been, yeah. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, so. Uh, there so, are bullies everywhere. So maybe I'll maybe I'll form a Me Three movement. Okay. And bullies, you know, bullies take advantage of people that are needy or vulnerable or... Yeah. You know, um, 
but I, but before we end this conversation, Lou, yes, ninety percent of the people that we meet are decent, hardworking, oh, well-intended, yes, not causing trouble. People, it's it's you know the rotten apple kind of thing. We have to be so careful that we don't just all of a sudden say all men are evil. You right. Know? Oh, I'm glad you said that. You know, because uh, you know they were saying, "Man, ah, all men are alike." You know, it's not true. I know that's the expression. Ah, little, uh, all you guys are alike. You yeah. know. Well, so. you know, I, I'm in Rotary, and years ago uh, they didn't allow women in Rotary, and I did before they allowed women in. I did a little bit of research, and I asked a bunch of men, you know, why don't why don't you want women in Rotary? And the answer was because we have to stop telling dirty jokes. We have to clean up our ass. That's the truth. They have to the be locker gentlemen. room conversation, yeah. you know. Do you remember right. when the Nixon tapes emerged? You yes. know, all of the locker room conversation that came out of it. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. so of course, women, you know, have our, we have our own share of that. But um, hmm. there are some differences. You know, there's no question that there are differences that women are less likely than men to tell dirty jokes. Um, I know when I was a kid. My father went to tell a joke. He'd kick me out of the room. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, listen, aside from jokes, you couldn't even be privileged through an adult conversation, right? You couldn't. It's it's an adult conversation. You have to leave the room, even if it had nothing to do, you know, what we're talking about. It just they, they felt it shouldn't be uh, privy to them because they're privy to them because we're too young. You know? Yeah, no, we're Jewish. We no such thing. <laughs> Very good. Italian, you Italians is different. Oh yeah, get the heck out! Or we kick you in the, you know, <laughs> whack you in the head. Get the hell out of here! I know. <laughs> no, it's really funny. I mean, talking about cultural differences. That um, in, in in Jewish households back in the day, you know, um, children were not eliminated from uh, the table. They were, they they stayed at the table. There was no such thing. You know, except at weddings and stuff, it's the children's table. Right. Uh, my Italian friends, um, there were times when the children were there and times when they were not. And I know when we got to be in our teens, uh, we got invited to, I had some close Italian friends, we got invited to these incredible Sunday dinners. Yes. Which started at 3 o'clock and never ended. That's, that's you know, that's a workout. You know that. The old-fashioned well, Sunday. Yeah, what starts in, in my mind is an appetizer. It's a whole day, you know. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole, what I think it's, it's, it's a, a whole Sunday. Meal, it's, a, appetizer. it's a whole day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they go from the, besides, they get the wine and the, the fruits and the vegetables, but uh, right. it, it doesn't end. It's, it, it is. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't do that anymore, you know. That's wonderful. That's for sure. But I know. Well, well, listen, I come from the Low East Side. You came from the Bronx, so it didn't same, surprise. Same culture, believe so, me. Yeah, it didn't surprise culture. me to have a pizza and a gefilte fish, you know. Yeah. So in, in the old in the old uh, neighborhood. What was the name of the delicatessen? I just went blank. Oh, cats. cats! Cats is the big one. That's the yeah. that's their the sandwiches pre- are taller than I am. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yes, that's and they. By the way, a friend of mine went there recently. Said it was twenty five dollars a pastrami sandwich. Oh my god! For pastrami <laughs> sandwich, twenty five dollars. Oh. But uh, uh, but anyway, that's the, but everything else. Everything went up. Now let's, let's touch on you. You know, uh, Doctor Arlen Diamond. People want to reach you. Let's give the contact information again. I know. Sure. Website's diamondassociates.net. Net. Um, and the, uh, my email is arlyn, A-R-L-Y-N-E, at diamondassociates.net. That's probably the easiest way of reaching me. Uh, we've gotten kind of off into 
silly memories of our youth, but I do take very, very seriously the work that I do in the workplace, right. from leadership training to management training to mm. dealing with a big conflict to little conflict. Mm. What is a big speaker in that today in today's world? What is a let me ask you this: uh, What is a little conflict, and what would be a big con- con- well, conflict? I think when I said it, the little conflict would be something that ha- is happening between two people. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, big conflict uh, is where I'm actually bringing different departments together oh. that are at war with each other for one reason or oh. another, and helping them understand each other and what's going on, what the work is for the other in the other department, and why things are the way they are. Mm. Um, most most consultants are hands off. I'm very hands on. I get in there and work with the people that I'm serving. Mm. I, I'm not somebody that just goes in and observes and writes a report and then goes away. I fix problems. Well, well, that's that's why you're so popular. You know, I have to tell you that. Now, uh, what book now in today's world? Of course, all your books uh, people should look for and. Uh, what book now would be more appropriate or important to what's going on now? If you want to say me too, or I'd say I would say workplace investigation book uh-huh. and the conflict book would be the ones that are probably uh, the most important for what's happening right now. Well, how, how do you find how did you find time to really? Because these are these are, are books that have uh, uh, they have a lot of stuff in them. Let me put it that way. And uh, to do this to me it takes a lot of time and energy, and it just. Uh, and, and, and speaking to you and knowing your background, you you want to make sure everything's pretty much accurate. And that's that's tough, I would think, anyway. Cause, you know, I was involved in one book, and I could see with all these books, and I I just have to. It's, to me, it's amazing, you know. And uh, and, uh, and what, with all these books, and, and and they're all important to us now. You know, so. Yeah, I think I think right. Yeah, I I think they're all pretty contemporary in terms of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you asked me to select. But I'm, I'm, you know, obviously the first two, the board of directors and the and the fundraising book, yeah. uh, it, uh, boards, committees, teams. You know, it's not just boards of directors; it's executive teams and you know, all kinds of teams. So in a sense, they're all very, very relevant. We are working in a global workforce, and you know, you're managing people that come from cultures totally different from your own. I mean, you and I have just been teasing about whether sitting at the table, Italian or Jewish, from right. pretty much, you know, our cultures were so, so similar yes. that to the outsider they were the same. Um, but, you know, if you came from Asia, if you came from, I don't know, Afghanistan, if you came from uh, Romania, you mm. know, is, you got all kinds of differences all sitting at the same at the same table, so to speak. So uh, understanding the global workforce and then, you know, understanding the culture, those things I think are critically important in the workplace today. So I don't know, you know, if I, that I would pick one over the other necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're little, they're, they're little books. They're not huge. They're not huge tomes with lots and lots of research in them. Right. They tend to be conversational and practical um, easy to read. Oh. I write the way I speak. Oh uh, yes, so do I. You know. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, diamondassociates.net, and she'll have all the information about uh, Dr. Arlen Diamond's uh, very informative uh, book, especially now people who are uh, a lot of people have uh, not for profits. That's that's very uh, important, mm-hmm. and uh, people that uh, uh, lack. 
uh, interacting with people, but they're great. Uh, again, they can run a company or a corporation, but they just can't even talk to the secretary for whatever reason, you know. So, uh, so uh, like, oh, we need. We, uh, luckily, we have people like you. You know, I would think some people will have not. Uh, maybe, maybe corporations are you have two factions in one company not getting along with each other, and you bring them together. Plus, uh, with human resources, you're pretty much saving. People's uh, positions, you know. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. It's uh, so. And, and saving companies, literally thousands, if not millions, of dollars sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was recently working for a uh, consulting to I shouldn't say working for, but consulting to a large transportation agency, and um, it, every the different departments had very very complicated kinds of issues, uh, and what worked for one department was definite hampering another department you know and and the animosity was just incredible until i brought them together we did um half day workshops uh, with food jewish mother and me right (laughs) how to feed them lunch and uh really got them to understand what the other department was doing and why they were doing it and you know and then we then you can start problem solving once you get past the anger and the hostility which you have to be able to uh, discuss. If you keep it buried, see, all, all too many people are afraid of emotion, mm. but the emotion is what's getting in the way of coming to reasonable problem solving. So you've got to deal with the emotion first. Absolutely. But that's usually normal. It's not, you, see yeah. that, you see that in the ball game, the emotions, you know? Uh-huh, it just, right. You know, yeah. it just uh, it gets, it could be could end up being violent in a lot of cases, you know, when yes. you get too emotional. And uh, so you're like a sort of a mediator, I, I would think, you know, when you, when, they, when they bring you in. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, which is great. You bring them together. You're saving, uh, you're saving a lot of business and uh, which, you know, people's life, livelihood. So that's great. So anyway, it's diamondassociates.net. She's got... Uh, did I have it right? Half a dozen or more books that you Half have? Half a dozen books, hundreds of articles. Oh, I do well. a monthly newsletter, and oh. anybody that wants to can subscribe to that newsletter by letting me know. Oh, okay. Interesting. So they can let you know through your... Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the best place aside from diamondassociates.net? Just Arlen at diamondassociates.net. Very good. Yeah. Arlen. A-R-L-Y-N-E. Right. Hmm. Very good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Glad you said that. So, uh, uh, very, 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 very interesting. Do you miss the Bronx at all? Yes, but I was back recently. I had a front stoop. I had the most fabulous three stair stoop, and uh, it was the hangout for all my friends. That's true. <laughs> and th- the stoop's no longer there. They literally chopped it off. What do you mean? The block's no longer there. The block is there. Oh, the block is still there? there. Wow. The building is there. I had Google Earthed it, and I couldn't. I couldn't find my, you know, my apartment. Right. Uh, and ah. so then I was in New York. Uh, uh, my niece and her and her family live in New York, and so I was with her husband and son. And I said, "Well, you know, we're in the Bronx. Let's go. Just go by the the old neighborhood." It was frightening. They took my beautiful, wonderful <laughs> soup and chopped it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I know. Yeah. There's, an art, there's a magazine called Back in the Bronx, ah. and I've written a couple of ar- articles for it called View from the Stoop, oh. and now there's no stoop. 
You know, that's, that is great because that was a favorite hangout for us on the Lower East Side sitting on a stoop right. at night. You know? Well, we had a private stoop. Which we had a private entrance, us and, and one neighbor who we were very close with. Wow. And so it was my private stoop, which was terrific. Wow. What the, is that Grand Concourse or close to it? Walton, one block away, Walton Avenue. Yep. That was... Uh, hmm. Yeah, there's still uh, Delancey Street is still there. That really not. It's gone. My old Delancey Street is gone. They're building high. You couldn't afford to live there. Like they, uh, wow. It's actually cost you two million bucks, to, believe it or not, to live on Delancey Street today. Wow. You know, if you, if you want to live next to the Williamsburg Bridge, you know, if you have you been to the Delancey Street Museum? You know, is that the one? Uh, I think it's on Orchard Street. I can't. That I can't remember. But what yeah. was fascinating is they take you up into a couple of the apartments that had no windows, you know, that would just kind of walk through. Yes. Did, um, you, did you go to that one? Did you do yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Oh. And it, they, several years ago, and I was, yeah. I, I love New York. You know, I would love to come back and live in New York. All of you who are listening, you want to give me some really good consulting gigs so I can come back to New York. Oh, you're going to need it to be able to afford to live in these <laughs> areas. So you're going to need big consulting gigs to afford to live in Manhattan. We get spoiled now. out here. I, I don't think I could afford a, my walk-in closet in, in New York, you know? I know. I know. See, walk-in closet is an apartment. Yes, you know? right. So, uh, uh, I know. In the uh, the apartment on Orchard Street, I know friends of mine went there. But just it's reminiscent of what we brought up with. Some of the places had the bathtub in the kitchen, you know? Yes, yes. And the old pull, you pulled the chain for the toilet with a wooden box or something. Yes. 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 You know, and, uh, and, and maybe... And that's why I'm in California, because when I first wanted to leave my mother's home and make my own apartment, that was all I could have... More than I didn't want to live that way. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I had a friend who had moved to California. I came out to visit and never left. Uh, but I, I miss New York terribly. I love New York. Well, we all do, you know. So, But but I'm not going to move to California, you know, even though California is great. I don't know about the fires and the earthquakes and whatever that's going on there. You know, it's just a pretty yeah. pretty rough out there. You guys have worse conditions than we do. It's just our earthquakes are more dramatic, that's all. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, Dr. Allen, uh, Diamond, I want to thank you for coming back to Streetwise. Thank you, you know? so much for having me. And it was great fun, Luke. It is, and you're such a Streetwise guest. I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to have you on. You well, know? bring me on again. You know, it sounds like we're from these hung out on the same stoop. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Allen, Diamond, okay. Arlen. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, don't forget, happy Cinco de Mayo today. Uh This is uh, Lou Tolano. Thanks for listening to Streetwise, and I'll catch you later.